All right. We are talking about everything under the sun. Kind that of. doesn't need its own episode. <laughs> no, not everything, I guess. That'd be, that would really be really long. But we're kind of talking about a couple of different conversations today or topics that, honestly, we felt we wanted to touch on, but really did not have enough information or time to make them their own. So it may seem like we're a little all over the place, but... They all wrap together. It's a little kinda, It's a little bit about together. etiquette. Yeah, it's a little bit of like um, unwritten rules, rules, kind of like etiquette things for PTAs. Um, and then, yeah, each one kind of just transitions into the next. Yep. So we'll go ahead and just literally jump right into it. Let's go. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken. And Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. All right. Oh, see, you were about to get started. Laura <laughs> just instinct. Okay. Well, we're jumping. You know what's funny it. though? I was gonna what? say you were gonna. I was gonna say all right, do my normal thing. Yeah, you and were. Then I, I was gonna be like, and let's let Ken take it away. <laughs> that makes no sense. I don't know. Laura prepped me before the episode, saying I have to start it off after the intro, and yet here she was, mouth open, getting ready to start talking <laughs> before I did. Anyway, so today our topic. I'm talking about little almost courtesy things, I would say, like little hidden unwritten unwritten rules for PTAs, etiquette, etiquette type of deals. Um, There are a couple things that just happened recently that kind of gave me this idea for this episode, although we'll see how it goes. Um, So the reason why I was thinking about this episode was we have currently an observer kind of coming in, shadowing, doing his hours. And it came to me like as far as etiquette when bringing in someone who is shadowing or if you're a CI and you have a student, I'm sure you're familiar with this. You go in, you tell the patient, OK, well, this is the patient. This is the the shadower and you introduce them and you say, this is my shadow. And is it OK if they observe our treatment? I would say ninety nine percent of the chance it's a yes. But the point of it is that you should always ask the patient if they're mm-hmm. okay with it. Don't just bring in someone that's not really an employee, not really involved in the company at all, and just let them sit there in treatment. Like it's the patient's yeah. decision for them to be okay with them treating, especially if it's something the patient's not comfortable talking about, then you definitely need to be bringing it up. And on like a note real quick, because you just brought in like the, if you're a CI, like having a student and having an observer are two completely different things. And I just want to make sure that's clarified as we go on. When we mention observer here, we're talking about someone who's not in school. They might be in, you know, kinesiology or their undergrad, or they might be taking just their gen ed, or they might be in high school. They might never be in school at all. They might be just thinking about going into the field. These are people who have technically taken no classes towards PT or PTA and have no affiliate of actually being there. They literally, just like the name said, they want to observe. Where if you have a student, then yes, there are some times when they first come in the first couple days, they're observing you more than being hands-on, but there is a clear difference. They will be allowed to do a lot more than observer 
is allowed to do. So I just want to kind of like clarify that as we go on, because when we, whenever we talk about an observer here, we're mentioning more of that person who has no affiliate, can't work with patients, um, and all that jazz. Does that make sense? Well, I'd say as far as being a, when I was a student anyways, I think that's a lot of the time that I was being introduced like that anyways. Mm-hmm. Like I would go in with my CI and they're like, oh, this is my student, so-and-so, and they're yeah. going to be with us during our treatment. I guess, I guess the verbiage is a little bit different because it's not so much a, will you allow this person to be here because you are a student and eventually you might overtake that patient's treatment if they're okay yeah. with it. Yeah. So I guess the verbiage does change a little bit, but overall, you should still be asking the patient if they're okay with this person being with you. Exactly. And when you go in and you say like, hey, I have this person observing, usually give a little bit more too. I found that patients really respond well to be like, hey, this is so and so, you know, they're here observing, seeing what we do daily. They're interested in the field. Uh, they would like to know more about like what what goes on in treatments. Are you OK with them watching yours? Um, because then again, uh, if patients know why they're being observed, like, oh, it's not because of the fact that you need to be looked at like again like it's not like i'm not gonna lie if i hear someone's coming in to observe something i'm like did you do something wrong are you being observed for a reason and it's like no 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 they're here because they want to learn about the field um so like definitely if you have someone in that situation like i would elaborate just a little bit more on why they're observing because again the more information that the patient has the more comfortable they're gonna feel too so. I agree. There's oh, there's something that was on my head as you were talking, and then now I forgot it. Well, on that well, note, well, you uh, think of that. But what I'll say is, like, say, for example, you do have someone who says, mm, you know, it's a sensitive region, or, you know, they're, say, you have a male observing a female, and they feel a little uncomfortable. Um, when you, if they deny that, that's completely in the right. Um, do not stop their treatment because of that. But what I would say is like, Hey, if you have the opportunity, go shadow while I work with this patient, go shadow. So-and-so if you can, um, or go shadow the front. So you have an idea of what it looks like there. Cause those are all still parts of our, our job and we all work with them hand in hand. So if they have a better idea of what goes on, um, whether it's a technician, a PT, like say they're looking at just being a PTA, um, if they're shadowing just a PTA, have them shadow a PT too on a couple of things because they're going to get more information. So like if a patient denies, don't just leave them hanging just to sit there. Let them go shadow somewhere else um, in that region. So no, I would you remember? That was going to be one thing that what happens because that's a 99%. It's like what happens in the 1% yeah. chance they say no. So that, that kind of touched that on that. Um, I think the last thing I had to say about this unwritten rule um, because we work with the patients so much, I find it like if you know the patient, you know what you're treating, you know their demeanor, you almost know whether or not they'll be okay with someone coming into shadow with mm-hmm. you. So if you do have a patient that is more difficult, then let the PT know or let whoever know, like, hey, if you want to go with them, go, like you said, go shadow an eval, go shadow up front. Because for the most part, like we know our patients, if we work with them all the time, if it's your first time treating a patient, Say like they just did their eval. It's your first time seeing them. You don't really know what their demeanor is like. I would probably personally hold off on bringing someone with me just because I don't know what I'm walking into either. 
And then same thing, go shadow and eval, go up front, go look around a little bit, observe the gym, see people, patients doing their exercises. Just because I don't know if they're going to be okay with it. I don't want to put the patient in an awkward position feeling like they have to say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, just better avoided. Leave them out. Leave whoever it is out and let them do their own thing. Yeah. And on that note, it kind of goes into our like next point of don't just give them the sugar coat sweetness of the fields. Um, let them see the ups and downs a little bit. Let them see the bummers of like documentation and let them see the patients that so sometimes might not be the fun ones that you get to treat. Doesn't mean you put them into an awkward situation, of course, be mindful of that, but let them see what the truly the field is. Um, I've been to places where I observed for a little bit and they always wanted to show just like the good side of the field. And I'm like, that's your, or like I've been at places where they, same thing, they have a person come in and they just want the good side to be seen. And that's not going to really give the person a good idea of the field and whether or not they'll be up for some of the challenges. Like I've heard of PTAs going like, if I would have known this is what it was like prior I don't think I would have done it. And so the last thing we want to do is put people into a situation where they're burning out and they've gone through all this schooling and, um, you know, we, we are low in the field because we don't have enough of going around because we just send people there who have no idea what it's like. So give them a real taste of what your day really looks like. Yeah. Cause the documentation is not fun. I don't think anybody, um, I mean, I'm sure there's people that actually enjoy documenting, No, but it's just <laughs> tedious, repetitive, and you just kind of get over it after a while. Even my patients know how much I hate documenting now. It's really funny because uh, I, I always go up like whenever something, someone makes a comment about either falling or passing out or something, I'm like, mm-mm. I was like, see, no, that, that means I have more paperwork to do and I already hate documenting. I already hate doing the paperwork I do have. So you're not allowed to fall because I don't want more paperwork. And I was like, and, you know, I don't want you to get hurt and that kind of stuff too. But, you know, no paperwork, no extra paperwork allowed. Um, and so, yeah. So show them, like, the ups and downs of it. And documentation is one of, I don't know if I necessarily would call it an up. <laughs> well, let's go on to our second unwritten rule about documentation, actually, which I'm thinking about. I thought that was the second unwritten rule, showing them the truth. Oh, I mean, I guess I can. We'll we'll call that one and a half. <laughs> okay. Because it still had to do with shadowing, unless we're doing all our unwritten rules about shadowing. I thought that was it. Oh, look, we're confused. <laughs> well, I was going to talk more about documentation as far Go for as it. templates. Yes. The good and the bad, um, as far as when to do them, when not to do them, and things like that. So let's say that there's an incident, right? Someone has either too much, like their blood pressure's too high, or they had a fall. Like this is where templates are not Convenient, ideal. usually. How? Mm-hmm. Would you still use a template? Okay, so here's my thoughts on templates. Templates are great. I love templates. In fact, I recently just learned I can make templates. Um, and I got super excited. I still need you to just make learned, them. You, you just learned you can do templates? Well, within our system. I can do like well, yeah. a shorthand key. Yeah. Um, so I finally learned how to do that. 
they're a pain to set up, but in the long run, they'll save you so much time. Here's where I differ from a lot of people with templates, and this is why I think I went, hmm, well, on yours, Ken. I think it's okay to have a template for everything, even if a patient falls in the clinic, if the patient, you know, you can't do a session because of something, you know, that it was contraindicated for something. I think it's okay to have those templates ready. However, I don't ever think you should use a template and never modify it. Like no matter what template, like if I you guess have that's what normal, I'm kind of thinking of as far as templates. Yeah, like have a template back, where you just stick in there and do nothing with it. No, I'm not okay with those templates. Like except for the plan of care, the plan of care templates, stick them in and leave them. Uh, what do you mean plan of care? You, well, or sorry, not plan of care. The um, I say plan of care because of my sentence I use, but your plan. Oh, okay. My plans are pretty much exactly the same, except for they like the verbiage PLC and Yeah, continue plan of care uh, within patient's tolerance and within, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, like, I have those base, like, those ones to me, you don't need a, if your template's made, those are just plug-in and goes. Um, but any assessment, objective, subjectives, I don't even use templates for subjective because I don't think you can really truly have a template for subjective because it should be changing every single time um, because it's really based off of what the patient said when they came in. Uh, assessment, objective, so much of that gets so roped into one place now that uh, having a template's fine. If you have a template for, you know, your normal tolerates exercise, blah, 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 but always add to it, whether it is patient demonstrated slight, you know, whatever they did during that session. Um, you can have your kind of normal one written out, but fill in with more information on top of it too. So, I don't know. That's my, that's where no, I'm like, you can have a template, but. Just because like, I, I've seen it a couple times where it's just the exact same verbatim with nothing mm -hmm. changed. And I get that it's easy. And especially if you have like a high volume. Unfortunately, the downside to that is it makes it hard for someone else to follow up mm -hmm. because if it's if it's vague if it's simple it's i find myself because when it's happened to me and i read somebody else's note i'm like mm, okay so did you work with this person prone supine i can see you worked on their low back but i don't know anything else besides that yeah so i would say for our i guess second third unwritten rule Templates are okay, but just modify them in a way that still kind of not applies to the patient that you're working with. Yeah. And I then think it also goes big with MVAs. Like if you're working with attorneys and they're going to like depot your notes, just make sure that they're at least kind of descriptive. Yeah. Or I've been told multiple things on that one. Well, I've just been told so many different things with when it comes to like attorneys and liens. Where you want to be Between descriptive, but not and too descriptive, and like it's just weird. Um, my thing is, I'm putting in what I did, and I ain't lying on nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I but, wrote what I wrote, and it's there. Yeah, exactly. If, I, if, if you it's ask in me there, questions, I did it. I'm going to read to you what I wrote. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Um, now the thing is, is kind of going off of that, and so that could be number four. four. I don't know. I'm losing count now. Four. Let's. We'll just go with the next one. Um, is the fact of courtesy is put, if you do something that's not 
normal. So say, for example, if a patient required, you know, a pillow under their stomach while being worked on, or, you know, you did a patient seat working on patient seated versus something that would normally be supine, like put those in the documentation, kind of going off of what Ken was saying, like, so a lot of programs nowadays, you know, the exercises are kind of like on this flow sheet. But almost in every single program I've worked with, you can write like a, um, additional details somewhere within that exercise. So be descriptive. Overly descriptive is okay sometimes. Uh, definitely if it's something that you're like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not sure if someone's going to be able to duplicate this. But, you know, write in there how you performed it. Um, and then in your assessment, you know, you're going to write where, why you performed it. But, like, write in there so it can be duplicated by someone else. Um, like, I had one one time we were working with a patient. She was a cervical patient. She's getting back to work. She's a vet, veterinarian. And one of her biggest concerns was working with dogs on leashes. So I legit grabbed a, and props to, I wish I knew which account I saw this on. I was scrolling on Instagram, guys. It was the reels. But I saw them kind of doing this with a gentleman in parallel bars. But they literally were mimicking walking a dog. And what they did is they handed him a rope and they were just tugging from which different ways. So um, It's funny you mention that because I've always wanted to do that. So I learned about that in school. So if someone I, would walk their dog, give them one end of the TheraBand, and then just pull the TheraBand in different directions. I wouldn't recommend a TheraBand because the TheraBand doesn't give it like you're giving the resistance. They're just kind of your anchor, and it's like not enough resistance. So what I actually grabbed is I legit like a grabbed strap. a stretch strap because I tried it with the, the TheraBand first, and I was like, I don't like this. Yeah, I grabbed the stretch strap, and I did it, and I was pulling her. So it's, you know, it's it's forcing her off balance. She's really working on staying where she's at. With her core, giving her different amounts, different directions, trying to be unpredictable. Um, I documented the crap out of that one. Because I was like, dude, if anybody else had to like, if I just put in, you know, I don't even know what I would put in for that one, honestly. Um, but like for me, it was, a, it went under our stabilization exercises. But like I just documented how we did it. So that way, hopefully someone could replicate it if they needed to with her. Um, but it's definitely putting more information. If you did something slightly different, adjust them. Oh my goodness. I, I hate when I see this too. If a patient only does like two sets of 10, adjust, say why. Um, because my favorite is, I love it being sarcastic. When you go to work with a patient and you're like, all right, well, we're going to do three sets of 10. I don't know why you didn't do three sets. We're going to do three sets of 10. And they're like, what, what, why are we doing three sets? I had a lot of pain when I did this last one. And you're like, okay, would have been good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, things like that definitely help. Like, yeah. I think it just kind of goes back to like, it just helps the next person to work with them. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you said earlier, like you don't have to be overly descriptive. Sometimes it is nice. But at least understanding why you did certain things, how many you did, just pays it forward to the next treating therapist. I, they do harp on that in school quite a yeah. bit. But, when, but I think when you get into the real world, it's it's easy not. to fall out of that habit in a way. 
Also, if you do like handwritten notes, I don't I don't really blame you. Yeah, I don't I, like that. If sounds miserable. If you're doing hand, that sucks in general. Um, but I'm trying to think. There was another one. I completely forgot. I think, Ken, we're going to have to go on to your next one. Um, I think the last one I have, as far as questions from patients, we've talked about it before, and I'm already going to find myself in a similar situation because my PT has already warned me. When a patient <laughs> asks you excessive questions on either what's going on with them or just sometimes it feels like you're being quizzed. Mm. And it's okay not to know all the answers. I mean, we work with so many different patients. We have to learn so much while we're in school. But what I would say the rule is don't just say, I don't know. Or don't leave it alone to just, oh, I don't know that, and just keep working. Tell them that you will find out and get back to them as long as it's appropriate. Are you telling them that's out of their, your their, scope? <laughs> yeah, if it has nothing to do with either their treatment or out of your scope, like don't worry about it. But if they do ask something that maybe you should know, let them know that you'll get back to them. Yeah. I think this is just like a good rule of thumb for anything that you do as far as like in the clinic goes. If there's something you don't know, try to find the answer and then follow up. Now, following up on that one in a way, um, what do you do when a patient asks you a question and you kind of give them a way that you've always described it or, you know, you've kind of been taught? Because let's be honest, like, Numbness and tingling, for example, there's so many reasons that could be going on. There's so many, like we can describe that in so many different ways. It could, you know, it could be coming from back. It could be coming from the hip. Like, for example, lower extremity. Like there's so many different things, but like if you describe it differently than a PT that makes it completely sound different, how do you go about that when the patient's like, well, that's not exactly how that they told me. You're like, well, like, how would you just, does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. I, and I feel like that's just a hard position to be in. Yeah. I would just say there's just different reasons, but I would just fall back to whatever the PT said. Yeah. And Mainly I, just that's because, like, they probably know more of what's going on. They did the eval. They know what typo mobile, what's spastic, things like that, that they already mm-hmm. did during their eval more in depth than what we would do during a regular follow-up. Exactly. And it's not that necessarily um, you might be wrong in any way either. Um, But again, there's just, there's multiple reasons. And this is usually I always fall back to, oh, well, it's going to help both. (laughs) I mean, that's that's what I say too. There's different reasons why it could happen, Mm -hmm. especially with like the numbness. Like, is it your spine? Is it some muscle in between? Like there's something in the road that's causing this. Yeah. And if the PT said it's coming from your spine, then it's coming from your spine. Well, and it's not but. even contradicting that. I'm trying to think of the example. And of course, like right now, I can't think of anything. Naturally. Um, naturally. But like, oh, oh, for example, oh, like this uh, muscle spasm going on. It can be nerve related. It could just be kind of positioning related too. Um, and so be if you say something. Related. Yeah, I could be stressed. There's so many different things. But they come in and they're a little tighter than normal. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, you've been doing a little more activity. Um, you know, your muscle could just be tightening up and a little bit more. And they're like, well, the, I was told it was all from my neck and it was all from my nerve. And technically, neither of you are wrong in that situation. Um, but, you know, patients latching on 
to one thing in particular and thinking that that could be like the only cause. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, you know, there's multiple, you just got to kind of explain to them, like there's multiple things usually going on and there's multiple things that can stress them all out at the same time. Yes, this is your main issue, but you know, this doesn't help to it either. Um, and so that's kind of usually how I'll follow it up. If something like that is like, yeah, that's correct. But this also, you know, is usually kind of goes a little hand in hand with it or something like that. Um, I know. Sorry, guys. I realized like once I said it, I was like, my examples are not that great today because I had a really good one earlier and it left and my then brain. You lost it. Yeah. No, I'm following you, though. I know. But I feel yeah. like that, that's just something like as far as especially for like muscle spasms, like that's a question you get all the time. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, why is it so tight or why is it spasmed up? And then it's like, oh, well, it can be a variety of different things from how you sleep to what you do throughout the day to mm-hmm. maybe nerve related to maybe stress related. There's just there's a lot so many things that could happen for yep. that to occur that you're just like, OK, well, we'll work on it. We're working on it for sure. But as to identify the exact cause, that can be a couple different things. Yeah. And the thing it goes same thing with exercises, too, like when explaining exercises, you know, if a patient asks you like, oh, well, what's this helpful for? What you're explaining it for might be different than what they explained it for earlier. Um, You know, we see this all the time with a lot of different ones. It could be strengthening. It can be control. It can be stability. There there is a lot of different ways to exercises can be portrayed. It could be for functional activity. Like just because of the fact that they might have had them do it for one reason one day and you're doing it for a different reason the other day does not necessarily mean either of you are wrong. Um, and you just need to explain that to the patient too. Like, it's not that you don't know what you're talking about. It's just literally different exercises could do different, the exact, like different different things. Yeah. Different focuses on how you do it. For example, um, you know, I don't know, heel raises. We've done heel raises for strengthening and we've also done heel, well, they're strengthened both, but with a focus of push off or gait with the emphasis more on the gait pattern. Um, we've done heel raises with, uh, with a rapid movement, rapid speed, more prepping a patient who is ACL, uh, prepping her to get ready for a jump. Um, so like there's different, different things that can come along with them and why we're doing them can be different, even though it's the same kind of exercise. So. I get you. Yep. Yep. Well, that's all I had. I don't know if you have another rule. Um, my last uh, one and you know, it might seem dumb and stupid. And honestly, I probably have harped on it in a previous episode, knowing me who knows but my last thing is just be kind be last rule about just being etiquette unwritten rules be kind to everybody everybody's working hard your front desk if they make a mistake you know they've got a lot going on too they have a lot of voices coming in at once same goes with your pt same goes with any other pta or technician you're working with same goes with your patient just be kind i know some days are more frustrating than the others And it's okay to have off days, but just, you know, take that deep breath, walk away for a second if you need to, but just remember that no matter what's going on, um, 
it doesn't really have to do with you and uh, you could just kind of take a deep breath and kill them with kindness sometimes. So I think that, that applies both with the employees and the patients. Yeah. A lot of times you don't know what people are going through mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to, I would say just yeah, show everyone kindness and don't take anything too personal. Yeah. And honestly, if you're in that day where you're just having an off day, you know, it's okay to be like, you know what? Today's an off day. Something's going on personally. You don't got to explain it to your coworkers, but definitely if you work close with them, just be like, sorry if I seem a little off today. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> sometimes they can sense that. Yeah. Sometimes they can sense it, but it's okay. Sometimes like it's okay to say it to you because like I can sense sometimes when things are off. But I'm still like, are you off because I made you mad or I did something wrong? Or are you off because there's stuff personally going on? And so sometimes if you know you're going to be a little, you're a little off that day or someone feels a little hesitant towards them, just be like, you know what, guys, I'm sorry. I've just got some stuff going on. It's not you. It's me. And honestly, that can, that, that literally can almost take stress off of people too. So. All right. Well, with that, I think that kind of wraps up our little kind of unorthodox episode yeah again we didn't feel like any of them really had a full amount for themselves so we kind of wanted to wrap it all together yeah it's got a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe some will come maybe we'll do a part two if we think of some more but anyways we'll wrap this one up thank you so much for what wow i can't even talk right now thank you so much for listening we hope that you enjoy the weekend if you're listening to this on friday if not hope you're enjoying the week and please sure be sure to like, share, do all the things, and um, yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. Until Stage, then, we'll... make sure you listen to uh, part one. Well, I guess it's part one, but my post up on my foot uh, because an update will be coming next week. And let me tell you guys, it's not what we thought. <laughs> so stay so tuned for that. Yeah. So and go listen we'll to talk, if you have it. And we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, bye. Later. The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.